morning. Go ahead and be seated. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll get to 13 through 17 here in just a minute. But I want to talk to you about a contradiction. Friday afternoon I had the privilege of sitting down with a friend at Bad Daddy's. And I went to Bad Daddy's and I ordered a salad. Now if you've been to Bad Daddy's, you would recognize that that is such a contradiction. Because Bad Daddy's is known for great burgers. Burgers are great. And Matt, you got a salad, so that's a contradiction. In our, in our text this morning, you're going to see... Okay, so we'll go with this one. Right? So, in the text this morning, we're going to see what would seem to be a contradiction for those that are free in Christ when you bring up the issue of submission. And, and so, our text this week, next week, and the week after, for the next three weeks, talks about submitting, because we are free in Christ. And that'll make a lot more sense when we, we go through the text uh, together. So, so, what is Paul's major concern right now? Paul's major concern is that he wants those of us who are a believer to, to, to act like a believer, to, to have a witness in the world, to conduct ourselves with a fear of the Lord, to live in such a way that it would not cause somebody to say, I don't want to be a Christian because of that person. So he's saying, hey, there's all kinds of persecution that's going on. The church has been scattered. It's all over the place. And he's telling us and he's encouraging us, yes, in the midst of all this persecution, what I want you to do is I want you to be a witness and not lose your testimony and to stand up. And I think that's a great insight even for us right now. So let's go ahead and take a look at submission. What does the word submit mean? It's really pretty much a taboo type word in some cases. But what, what, what the definition that I was talking to Ryan this week and and for the next three weeks, Ryan will speak next week, and then um, in two weeks from now, we'll talk about marriage and what that looks like in marriage, uh, submission. So what is, what is submission? Let's have a working definition together. Really, the word to submit means to obey. But he, here's the definition that I have for you. It's in your worship center app. It says this, an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority, listen, and positive good deeds. Say it again, an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority and positive good deeds. So, so that's our working definition of what it means to submit. Peter comes in and he's talking today specifically about submitting to... We good? Okay. I just check, check in. It, keep going. Um, well, Peter is talking today about the opportunity about submitting, really, the command to submit in regards to the government. And, and to be honest with you, it's an incredibly sovereign timing, I believe, for this message and for us. So, you play in 1 Peter way back in August, and you line it up and break it up into about four verse chunks, and all of a sudden on October the 25th, and then we're sitting here today, and we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a believer and submitting to the institution of the government. I think God pretty much ordained that and is sovereignly helping us to learn what that, what that looks like and what that means. So we're going to go through the text. I'm going to read the text for us, and we're going to break it down together. Here's what it says, starting in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. 
whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants to God. Here's 17, which is going to be our application for today. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. So, let's take a look at the text and let's break this down together. First, very first two, first two words that we have there, we have a command. We have a command that's given by God. He says, be subject. He is talking about the government, the institution of the government, or all, actually every human institution. Really, these human institutions are not, they're, they're led by humans, but the origination is God himself. So the civil government, an example. Marriage, an example. Working relationships, you have a boss. That's all we're going to be talking about. These things were put in place by God himself. He is the founder of these things. He is the author of these things. Yes, they are led by humans, but he put these things in place. And so then what does he say? He says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to subject yourself. I want you to submit. I want you to obey. As we said, our definition is an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority and positive good deeds. And then he goes on, he says, why do we submit? What's the purpose for this? Or what is the reasoning for this? Be subject or submit for the Lord's sake. So we have to sit there and say, hey, this is what God's will is. A lot of times we ask the question, what is God's will? Should I move to Kentucky or should I move to Colorado? Well, you know the answer to that. It's always Colorado. No, just kidding. I'm sorry. Matt Embry, I love you. I know you're from Kentucky. But here, here's what we want to say. What we want to say is sometimes we look in the scripture and those principles are not there. But what we do, we look into Scripture, and the Scripture is telling us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to submit to this institution. Why? Because it's my will that you do that. Look at verse 15. 15 says, for this is the will of God. So we have this government that is in place. The origination of the government is placed there by God. Yes, humans are in that place. And they are sinful. All of them are sinful. And so we have this sovereign God has created us. And he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come in there. I want you to be a witness. I want you to submit. I want you to do that for my sake. I want you to do that because I'm commanding you to do that. Let's keep going. Take a look at what it says to every human institution. We've really covered that. God has ordained all of them to, for, for all order and peace. It's human in function, but not in origin. This is what God wants. Then what does the government do? The text really tells us kind of what the government does. It says the government will do this. Take a look at human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governors. Now, the emperor as supreme is talking about federal government. That's talking about federal laws. Then it's also talking about the governor, which is local laws. Okay? So I want you to look at them and say, hey, we are to... Um, submit to them. Then it says, what are they there for? They're there to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. If we look otherwhere in the text, the Bible says God is a God of order, not chaos. Look at how he has structured the family. Look at how he has structured society. That is in place 
for our good. And so he's asking us, hey, I want you to submit to this. And then in verse 15, as I said, for this is the will of God. Then, then we go down and, and we take a look at, at what is it, what does this do? If we're going to do this, then what is the result of that? He says that by doing good, you will silence the ignorance of foolish people. So when you do this, you silence the gospel critics. There is no greater testimony of integrity, morality, and purity of life in, in, in the life of a believer that can have the potential to muzzle gospel critics. So, so then here's the contradiction. Go on to over here to verse 16. Look at verse 16. 16 says this. Live as people who are free. So, we are free and we are free in Christ. That is who we are. Amen? Okay, that, that is who we are, but by the blood of Jesus, we are free and we are free in Christ. So the first verse says, I want you to submit and be subject. This verse says, I want you to be free. So here is the tension and here is the rub. And so what he wants us to do is say, because you are free and free in Christ, because you are free in Christ, I want you to take that freedom and I want you to submit and I want you to submit to the local form of government. Listen, listen, he, he is really, really looking at us and saying, I don't, and he, then he says, I don't want you to use your freedom as a cover up. I don't want you to use your freedom as an excuse. Here's an example of that. You can sit there and say, I'm free in Christ. I'm a believer. So therefore, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to submit to the government because I'm free in Christ and Christ is center to me. Now, now let, me, let me make sure that we understand. When Peter was given the opportunity to stop preaching Jesus in Acts chapter 4, what did he do? He said, whether it's right in the sight of men for you to do this, you be the judge. All I can do is testify to the things I have seen and heard. Peter made a decision that when the government told him, you can't do that, or when the officials said, you can't do this, the Sanhedrin, he just said, whether it be right in the sight of men, you be the judge, but all I can do is testify to the things I have seen and heard. He continued to preach Jesus, because that is our authority to do that, and that's our freedom to do that. And so here's what he wants us to understand. Yes, you are free, but for the Lord's sake, what I want you to do is to submit yourself to this form of order that I have placed among you. I want you to submit to that. I want you to do that because that's going to allow you to have an incredible witness before a lost world. Now, what does he continue to say here? So verse 16 says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. But here's what he says, but living as servants of God. That's who we are created to be in the situation, in the arena of being in the government, in the world. We are servants of the Most High God, and that's, that's who we are, and that's what we do. Now, he, here's the question for us. You are created to be a servant of God, and oftentimes we get confused, and we sit in our seat, and we serve ourselves. So the scripture is very clearly telling us that, hey, I want you to know something you are to serve. Serve, be active in your government, be active in the society that you live in. 
He even looked at those that were in Babylon. He said, listen, I want you to marry. I want you to have jobs. I want you to engage people. I want you. Yes, you're living in a place that you, you are completely different than, than what you believe. But what I want you to do is I want you to sit in there. I want you to marry. I want you to have jobs. And I want you to make a difference. I want you to make a difference because I want you to serve King Jesus through the institution of the society and the government that you live in. And, and that's really, in essence, what we're to do in, in, in where we live. Now, now, what is the application of all this? This is where we're going to spend a lot of our time. Verse 17. Verse 17 is, is really sort of wraps things up in sort of a summary. He, he's coming to us and he says, hey, listen, I want you to submit. I want you to respectfully to, um, I want you to have an attitude of respect that results in obedience to authority and positive good deeds. I really want you to focus in this season on that definition about positive good deeds. And I want us to be really, really careful over the next 10 days, two weeks. Really careful. So, so what does he tell us to do right now? I think that Peter really summarizes all the things that are going on. Let me just give you a context of what's going on right now to hopefully help you to understand. Can anybody that's in the live audience tell me who the king was at the time or the emperor at the time? His name is Nero. Okay? I think I might have heard it in the back. His name was Nero. That's who was the emperor. So here is Peter coming in, seeing Christians who are persecuted under one of the most pagan kings of all time. And he's in charge of everything. And Peter is telling them, I need you to submit. And then they're looking at him like, what are you talking about? Do you know who this guy is? Do you know what he does? Do you know what he has said? Nero was so polarized against Christians that one of the things that he would do because he loved to ride his chariot, but of course there was no electricity. And so what Nero would do is he would take Christians, he would bind them, he would tar them, he would light them on fire around his arena so that at late at night he could practice racing his chariot. And so can you see what's going on at the time that this is written when Peter is coming to him and saying, hey, listen, I need you to submit to me in this area of government. It is, it is in spite of this that I will work, that I will do great things. And I want you to hold on. I want you to believe that. So what does he tell us to do? A summary of what he wants us to do as citizens who live in this place and have government led by fallen people all over the place. We're fallen. They're fallen. So what do we do? First thing he says is, I want you to honor all people. I want you to recognize that every single person, despite race, religion, um, whatever the case might be, I want you to honor, and I want you to honor everyone, for they are made in the image of God, and that is a command for you to do, and that is, that is biblical. And that right there shows your witness and your confidence and who God is by recognizing that all people are created equal and before God. And that's what I want you to do. It doesn't have any exception to that. There is no exception to that. 
It's very clear. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to honor, and I want you to honor every single person. For they are made in the image of God. And I would say, Northwest, let us do that. Let us make sure that that is, that is a discipline that we continue to do to honor and honor all people. For they, again, are made in the image of God and love, loved by Him. Then he goes on and he says, hey, listen, uh, I want you to love the brotherhood. I want you to love the brotherhood. That means here, okay, I want you to honor all people. But what does John say? John, First John says that they will know us by our, they will know that we are believers by our love for one another. That's what he says. And so he's coming to him and he's sitting there and he's going, hey, listen, all of you are persecuted and you're on the same page. But I do believe and I don't think this is a stretch. He's not simply saying that you agree on everything, but what I do want you to do is I want you to love each other. Because the world is going to know who I am when Christians stand up and say, hey, listen, we probably disagree on some things, but you know what? We love each other. And that's, that's a statement, and that's a, that's a discipline, and that's what Christ would want us to do. I want you, I want you to love the brotherhood. John 17 I was telling David and, and, and uh, Ryan this this week that this, this message, really this, this text, I heard someone preach on this and he said, in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for something. It's really cool to sit there and say, what is on Jesus' prayer list? In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that the believers would be one. That they would not be divided, but they would be united. Let me say it this way. That yes, they might disagree politically, but they would love unconditionally. And so we might disagree politically, but we would love unconditionally. And so here's what I, I think what we learn when he says, I want you to love the brotherhood. When we have love for each other, even though we might disagree, it says to the world, hey, listen, I'm going to focus on the love that I have for you, not the thing that might possibly divide us. I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to choose to do that. Love is, is a choice, not necessarily a feeling. So, so what does is, what is John encourage us to do in John chapter 17? Or what does Jesus encourage us to do in John chapter 17? It says, I, I want you to pray for unity among the body. I, I, I want you to pray for oneness. Yeah, even though you might disagree politically, would you just come and love unconditionally and pray that we would, we would be one? Let, let me say this right now. A candidate will win next Tuesday, and it might be yours. That one day, somebody's candidate is going to win. Candidates, there's a lot of elections, but some might be yours, some might not be yours. But that day, somebody will win or somebody will lose. Maybe it's yours, maybe it's not. But at the end of the day, what we want is we want the church, we want to understand and see the gravity that the church wins or loses based on how we love those around us in contentious times. And so what I want us to see is, yes, don't let the political season divide us, but let, it, let us understand that, listen, our, let's be an answer to Jesus' prayer. Let us be an answer to Jesus' prayer. A love for the brotherhood. 
a love for the Lord. Let's not let anyone or anything divide us. Let us, let us have our focus on Jesus. I heard another message on this topic, and he said, hey, listen, I want, to, I want you to encourage her. He was talking to pastors. He said, I want you to encourage those that are in the 45-year-old category about coming up to the Tuesday, next Tuesday's election. He said, I want you to give them a warning. Stop. You're scaring the children. <laughs> and what I want to tell us is that there is a confidence that can be placed in Jesus that will never let us down, regardless of next week. He is supreme. He is our king. And regardless of what happens next Tuesday, doesn't make a difference. He's still there. He was there when Nero was king, and then he was there when King Saul was king. And he's going to continue to be king 10 years from now, 20 years from now. He will be king, and he will reign. He will always reign, and he's never stopped reigning. And so my encouragement to us, my plea for us, again, those of us in the, and I would say in the 40 and older category, is to continually live with that in, in mind, that Jesus is king, that he is sovereign, and he can be trusted. And for those of you, listen, those of you that might be in the maybe 35 and younger group, might be disenfranchised, maybe more so than the older, those older folks. And, and I was really challenged by this in a message that I listened to this weekend and I just want to issue the challenge to you by this pastor that I listened to. For those of you that are, that are younger. And, and I would say this, especially those in the 20s. The 12 people changed the world. Don't give up and don't give in. 12 people changed the world. And here's what was critical to how they lived and how the world was changed. Faith was at the center of of their agenda. And I want to encourage you to be involved. I want to encourage you to make a difference. And I want you to I want to encourage you to allow your faith in Jesus to lead the way just like it did to those 12 and look at what took place with those 12. You know Jesus and I know Jesus. What ultimately Jesus was praying for in John chapter 17 is that they would not let anything get in the way of the mission of Jesus. They would not let anything divide them about the mission. So when he prayed for unity, he's praying that they would be united on the mission of the gospel and that nothing would get in the way of that. And so when we look and we sit there and he says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, let us be an answer to Jesus' prayer. He goes on and he says, I want you to fear God. Fear God is a reverence for Him, a respect for Him. You are in awe of Him. Trusting God in all circumstances and what it means to have fear of God. It's not afraid of Him like, oh my gosh, the dark. It is, God, I am in awe of all that you are. I'm in awe of all that you can do. I think Robin's prayer just basically said that, Lord, there's so many things about you that we don't know, but we are simply in awe of your presence, of your goodness, of your grace, and God, we sit here and we trust you and we believe in you. And he starts by going saying, I just want you to fear God. That's just one of the sentences he says. So honor all people, love the brotherhood. He says, I want you 
to fear God, a respect for him. And then it comes down to the last one, which is honor the king. Wow. But let me also make sure you see who's first. It's fear God, honor the king. And it has to be in that order. And a measure, a measure of what we are doing is how much are we talking about the king or how much are we talking about an emperor or a potential emperor. That's incredibly dangerous. Our allegiance is to be God, is to be to God, not to a party, not to a candidate. And I think the order of the text this morning basically demonstrates that and says it. God's ways are first, and it's always the order for us to follow. When there is a conflict to believe in one thing or another, we always say, God, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to follow you. I love this prayer by an old reformer. He says, this is his prayer. God, your will, nothing more, nothing less. Amen. God, your will, nothing more, nothing less. Amen. Northwest, I think what Peter was trying to communicate to them is I want you to submit to this authority because I've commanded you to do that. So as you do this and as you obey this, I want you to show respect for the authority that's given to you and I want you to celebrate good deeds. So as we go forward for the next couple of days, and even our life, this is applied to everything, is let's, let's honor God, okay? Let's honor Him. Let's honor all people. Let's love the brotherhood. Let's fear God, and let's honor the King. Let's do that. Do that together so that the world may not question what we believe about who Jesus is. It is His mission and His mission first. Let us not lose sight of that, Okay? Although we may disagree politically, let us love unconditionally. And let's pray like Jesus prayed. Prayed for oneness. Okay? I love you guys. Let's pray together. Ben, you can come forward. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the privilege of being able to open up the Bible this morning and to teach. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified in every way possible. Lord, we recognize that every thing is because of you and for you and we recognize your sovereignty we recognize that you are good we recognize that there is simply simply nobody that's even close to you we recognize that in deuteronomy it says hear the lord Israel, hear the lord your god is one and that lord we're to talk about you when we rise up and when we lie down when we walk by the way we put it on doorposts and our fronts of our head and our arms lord our allegiance to you is to be seen in every aspect, in every conversation, in every post. So Lord, let us lead with that and let us do so boldly. Lord, at the end of the day, what we want as believers in Jesus is we want to be an answer to Jesus' prayer that we would be unified and that we would not lose sight of the greatest mission in all of the world. We recognize, Lord, the contention of the time. We submit that to you. We trust you. We believe that. We believe in you. 
we recognize that there is absolutely nothing that will stop you from building your kingdom. You said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16 that you would build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, please help us to have confidence that you will do what you said you will do. Help us to lead and lead with boldness. Help us to submit in the areas you've called us to submit to. Help us to be free. Help us to submit. Help us to understand the balance between those two. That they simply are not a contradiction. And Lord, I pray you'll use this song to help us encounter you in maybe a way we've never encountered you before. If there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, I pray that today they would come to know that there is salvation in only but you and that God you would save those that are not saved, that you would encourage those that need to be encouraged. Use us today as a church to love each other to unto, God, unto uh, good deeds. So again, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.